October 2nd, 2021. A little oasis for you. Hey everybody, how's it going? Sammy here. Little uh little private message today. It's a sad it's a sad time. Um so I didn't do the podcast last week. I had a death in the family. <clears throat> My dear grandfather, uh he ended up passing away. At 92, um, and I was going to try to get a guest to come on and sort of chit-chat about it, but it's like scheduling and things just get in the way and, you know, conflicts. It's, it's, it's busy. Everybody's busy with life and, and doing their own thing, but I'm here, so I figured I would just come down and talk about everything that's been happening with me lately. Uh, you know, it's, it sucks. This year has sucked. You know, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm not going to try to make believe that things haven't happened. You know, I miss him terribly. Um, He was 92. And, uh, you know, he had a great life. He was busy all the time. He worked. He was married. You know, he did everything that he could to survive. And, um, you know, I get a call on... I can't even remember what day it was now. It was last... I believe it was last uh, Friday that my mom was going to try to come up from uh, from Pennsylvania to, to visit because, you know, Papa had kind of sort of gone downhill a little bit. Every time I spoke to him on the phone recently, his voice was weak and uh, it was a struggle for him to talk and... Um, sort of move around, as anyone who's 90, you know, would have a problem like that, so, the last time I spoke to him, we were on the phone, he was asking me questions about his car, and, you know, we had a great conversation afterward, and then I hung up on him, I didn't think anything different, I was just, thought that maybe he, uh, needed to use his oxygen, and, and all that fun stuff, but the next day, you know, my mother called and said, uh, Papa had fallen, and he had, either fractured or, or broken two ribs. And, you know, when you fall, when anyone elderly falls, you know, when they're in their 90s or 80s, or it's it's rough. It's not like you can come back from that tip-top shape. It's it's very, very tough to, uh, to recover. I was amazed, actually. My grandmother, who was 80-something at the time, she broke her hip. She fell in the bathroom, and, and then the next thing you know, she was in the hospital. But they did the surgery... And she was fine, like, the next few weeks. Like, she started walking again. It was amazing to watch. But, you know, some people, <clears throat> when their time is their time, and, uh, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing. So to kind of sit there and, uh, and listen to mom on the phone, she kind of knew, and I kind of knew what was about to happen. They didn't think that he would be able to live on his own anymore with his wife, you know, they thought that he would have to go into hospice care and stuff like that, which is natural when you're elderly, that's what happens, 
So, you know, I get the phone call on Saturday that she's going to come up and I got to pick her up from the airport. So I was about to go to the airport. And then Sunday comes and uh, she tells me that she's getting ready to go. She's uh, she's on her way, you know, and then uh, I had a meeting. And then uh, probably about an hour after that meeting, I got the phone call and I knew right away what the phone call was going to be. It's when something like this happens, it's you're prepared, but you're not prepared. You're, you're, you're trying to get to the level of, you know, okay, this is what I'm about to deal with, but you'd never do. It's death is something that's we've all had to deal with every one of us and we're still dealing with it. You know, I, I lost two dear friends this summer I lost my grandmother and now I don't have any more grandparents so it's like it's a constant in people's lives loss you know and it's not a natural thing to deal with death we don't know how to so we do what comes naturally which is you know we either cry or we fall off the face of the planet or we uh, you know we shrink back to ourselves and don't let anything out but it's it's time to you know, sort of let it out with, as far as this show goes, it's been sort of a therapy for me to where I, uh, I need something like this. So hopefully you guys understand, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm, I apologize that I didn't get a chance to do the show last week. I'd just been busy with planning for funeral arrangements and uh, getting everything ready and all that, as you probably have experienced as well. But, you know, Sunday, we, I picked mom up from the airport, and he has already passed. So, it's, the level of communication with me and mom has always gotten closer over the years. But, you know, when you, when something like this happens, you get tighter. It's like you're... You're angry, but the ones that are around, you tend to hold on to. You know, it's and not, I'm not saying angry like she's angry at me, but she's angry at the fact that she couldn't be here to uh, to hold his hand, maybe in the last few moments. And you know, who knows? Maybe it's better that way. Maybe not. But I picked her up, and I've never seen somebody so strong to really take over every decision that needed to be made with his with his passing. You know, it's like some people, they can't handle it. They can't handle making those decisions, and it's hard. It's hard to basically throw out all the things that you want to do, which is maybe run away or cry or, you know, uh, go to a dark place. So... With that being said, you know, she she really impressed me last week. I was very impressed that she kind of took over everything that needed to get done. You know, where it comes to uh, the obituary and writing all those kind words and, um, you know, making it known that this was not a man who was not known by people. He was very, very, very well known in the community, in Keene and, and in Concord, New Hampshire, where he ended up living. You know, he he did many different things. I mean, he worked in 
the liquor industry in right up until his 80s. He's, I think he stopped working in 96, 97. I hope I'm getting that right. But um, it was I was alive, so he... He quit working at the liquor store, and uh, he moved on with his life, but the guy never stopped. Even in his late 80s, he was still uh, mowing the lawn, doing chores, snow blowing the driveway, doing things that were incomprehensible to me as a young man. So it's like the things that I got to see him do and, uh, and say, it was... It was great for me as a youth to see somebody carry themselves like that and carry themselves as a man who really could have had help if he wanted to. You know, he could have had people doing those things for him, but he always just carried the load. You know, um, he was a very intelligent man. And I can remember... Years ago, I w- when I was in high school, we had to do like a family genealogy report. Like, where is your family from? What do they do? How did they get here? Sort of thing. And so, there was only one person in my mind that I wanted to call and get the information from, and that was Papa. You know, he knew everything. He knew the whole nuts and bolts. You know, my family immigrated from Russia. They came into Ellis Island, and they got in. But they didn't speak any English. And my great my grandfather's grandfather, his name was Maxwell. And Maxwell got on a ship and came all the way over here without his family. And, you know, because it was just a bad situation over there at the time. And they wanted to find something new. But he didn't speak English. So he gets off the boat. Everyone's calling him Govna. Hey, Govna. How you doing? Hey. And so the next thing you know... <laughs> No one ever found out his last name. He just ended up inheriting that name, Maxwell Governor. That was his full name. So, next thing you know, he starts a hat shop. <laughs> you guys see me? You see all my funny hats that I wear all the time? It probably comes from that generation of, uh, you know, I, I always had crazy hats. My grandfather did too. He always wore hats and I'd make hats for him and whatever. So, that's probably where I get it from. <clears throat> so, the next thing you know, uh, life goes on. She, uh, Max has a daughter, my nana, and my grandfather's mother. And, uh, actually, no, I'm doing this wrong. Anyway, I gotta fast forward a bit. So, let's, to Boston, which is where my nana was, my grandfather's mother... They stayed in Boston for most of their life, you know, and then uh, Papa eventually ended up coming into uh, to Concord, and uh, he met he met my grandmother Kay, and so you know they ended up having uh, this relationship to where it was. I guess the great American dream is what you want to call it. They had so much fun together. They went on trips together. They traveled. They, you know, they did everything that uh, they wanted. They were so in love. It's crazy to to hear stories about that. And I never got to be, to see any of it because I wasn't around. But um, you know, the next thing you know, you fast forward to 
1965 when my mother was born, and now she's, they both have, uh, they got three kids now. So they got my grandmother's daughter from another marriage, my aunt. They have my adopted uncle. And then the next thing you know, they tell my grandmother, hey, you can't have kids anymore. It's not a possibility. Well, before you know it, they were proven wrong because my mother was born in 1965. So they didn't even have all the answers then, which is obvious. So, you know, my mother loved my grandmother. They were so tight. They were, they were good friends. They were serious with each other. They had, uh, they had a big relationship. My mother told me about the time that she was smoking cigarettes and, uh, the next thing you know, my grandmother catches her in her room smoking a cigarette and says, I, he says, <laughs> she goes, you disgust me. And closes the door and walks out. <laughs> so, you know, it's that tough love that has always stayed constant in my family. You know, they, my mother treats me likewise. If there's something that I need to hear, I'm going to hear it. My grandfather is the same way and I get it from them. I'm the same person. If there's something that you need to hear or I want to say to you, I'm saying it. And it's not about getting your feelings hurt. It's just about what you need to know. So, you know, life kind of goes on. Breast cancer is not a joke. It's uh, it's a lethal thing that can it can kill you. And back then, you know, she she wasn't feeling well. Uh, the cancer had just gotten to her quick, and they didn't really know what was going on. So they didn't really tell my, my mother, or, or I don't even know if they told Jenny either, my, my aunt. So when Graham got that, it was... By the time that they, you know, got things together and told everybody, my mother found out that week, I believe, you know, she didn't really know what was going on or why she was sick. And then, and then she passed in 1980, but they had 20, 20 happy years together. You know, her, her and my uh, grandfather were so tight and so happy and just... Uh, just one of those couples where you never think it's going to end and it sucks to say this but that's what we're that's what we're dealing with right now in this system it's awful you know my mother was 15 years old she lost her mom it's not natural so that's why I'm telling you guys it's like whenever you hear somebody say that they have lost somebody it's not a small thing it's it's a pain. And it can be a pain worse than, you know, falling or, you know, getting hit in the head with a rock or whatever, or whatever you, they say. Um, and, uh, you know, he eventually did get remarried and remarried my, um, my step-grandmother that I have now, Jargie, who I love dearly. I still do. And, um... They had 25 happy years together. So it, it's... The effect of losing somebody that close to you is... It's rough. We're going to miss him. 
I really wanted to get him on the podcast, but his health had just declined, and he didn't have the energy anymore. And it just goes to show, you know, they thought that he was going to make it out of the hospital. They thought that he was going to make it into hospice care. And, you know, my mother thought the same way. But he was done. He just didn't have the strength to do it anymore, you know. You get to the end of the hallway in this life where you do everything that you can do. And believe me when I'm telling you this, do not believe anything that you hear. I don't care how old you are. There are still things that surprise you. And what surprised me about him the most was his courage and strength to continue to do things for other people and putting his wants and needs to the side. You know, I get that because I have a problem with that too. I try to I try to help as many people as I can and, and to do what I can. You know, but at the end of the day, we need to take care of ourselves. And not to say that he didn't do that, but he was just more focused on uh, the responsibilities as a husband, as a father, and as a man. So, you know, he and he did. He raised three children. By himself, really. You know, it's... Even when your mother is gone, you still have that responsibility to be a father and to take care of people. And that's what he did. So, you know, I had a different sort of relationship with him when I got, when I was younger. You know, I never really thought that, I thought that he was a sleeper. You know, I thought that he just did things because. He was trying to make everybody agree with him and do all this other stuff and and make people feel stupid. Not that I, not that he said those things to me, but that's how I felt because I was so inferior and uh, afraid to to ask him questions, to uh, have conversations with him because I was young and I didn't really know how to handle a person like that. And so the next thing you know, my uh, he he scared me. I was afraid because of his image and how tough he was, and you know he would <laughs> he would go up to the window and smash on the window and yell at squirrel, just like ah. <laughs> and so, you know, to watch him do that, I would die of laughter die because squirrels would just jump up on the uh, uh, on the bird feeder and start eating all the food and everything like that it was it was hilarious and so you know but the things that he did for me and the little things that I would hear about you know him keeping in contact with my father and you know even when my grandmother died last year he sent my father a card and said you know Always, always apologetic and, and supportive. That's the thing about my family that I love. Is that no matter what happened between my parents, my grandparents were always in the picture. No matter what. They were always supportive. They were always there for me. There for each other. My grandparents attended each other's services. You know, it, it's... It's a crazy thing that as humans, 
we tend to uh, overlook things like that, I think. It's like, oh, oh, that's that's nice that he came. But to really think about something like that is, I'm going to look past all the stupid things that have happened in life and, and focus on what a difference that, that was made. You know, my grandfather was just, he was just wired that way to forgive, forget, move on, and be supportive, again. So, you know, the next thing you know, I'm probably in my teens, and uh, I start playing music. I start playing shows around town and, and, and around New England and everywhere, and before you know it, my mother would uh, would tell me, hey, Papa's coming. He lives an hour away, and he would just show up. Him and my grandmother would just show up, and, and they would be there. And he always came to my shows. Even when I was in the band and playing in front of hundreds of people, he was there. He was there. You know, he was there at my album release party. You know, uh, he was there... When I was by myself and doing acoustic acts, you know, I even played for him at his house. And he, I remember the one thing that he would say is that the kids got talent. And just that little kind of sign of approval was enough for me to to keep going. And that, you know what, hey, he thinks that I'm alright. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. You know, he was, he was tough. Uh, he didn't sugarcoat things, but when he saw something, he gave credit to where credit was due. And I always remembered that. You know, he he showed up to concerts that I did when I was in middle school, when I was in uh, the, not the jazz band, but the whatever orchestra it was. It was, I got a picture of it very early on. So, you know, I'm still thinking about him. I'm going to miss him terribly. There are a lot of stories that I have that I could share, you know. Um, when I was 18, he wanted to get me a graduation present, but he didn't have much money at the time. And so, you know, I'm in the band, and I'm trying to get things going and keep it going still, and then eventually I find a PA system that I need. And uh, my grandfather gets wind of this, and so he split the cost with me. So the sound system that was $600 at that time, I only had to pay 300 for. We split the cost because he wanted me to have something so I could do my dream. And I still have that PA to this day. And I still use it and take it everywhere I go. You know, whether I'm doing, uh, you know, band stuff or, or if I'm doing solo gigs or I'm doing the sound for whatever. It's like I always had that thing. And I never forgot it. And you know what? I think I still got the receipt for the bill of sale <laughs> somewhere in this apartment, I think. Um... So, you know, the things that he did for me, no matter how big or small, is like, it's, I appreciated it. Because no matter how different we were, 
there were a few things that were similar that I could hold on to. One thing that is similar is that he does not compromise his ethics. When he believes in something, he believes in it. And you're not going to tell him otherwise. Unless you have a tremendous compelling argument, there's no way. So, I think that's probably where I get my stubbornness from. (laughs) Is that half of that story? So, and my mother is the same way. And they would argue. And my mother would have disagreements and we'd be over there. And then the next thing you know, we'd get in the car and leave. And she'd be like, your grandfather's just this or that. And I'm like, (laughs) right, well, you're the same way. So, it's... It's just interesting to see those traits carry on in the gene pool. So, you know, but at the end of the day, the last 20 years have really spiraled into something beautiful. You know, we had so many good times recently. And we would go to dinner and he would laugh and tell stories. And he always had a big appetite. Even in his 90s, guys, he would eat everything always ate and so that's why he was so strong physically was that he would still get up and walk around and guys he would get his walker and take a stroll down his street just for nothing just because he wanted to be active he wanted to do something because even if he couldn't do the things that he normally did he still had that time to uh to be to be active in one way or another. So I look at that. I look at those situations to where he makes me think about my life and trying to stay in physical shape and you know always trying to do something, trying to move forward. And I remember I was so intimidated when I graduated high school. We had to go up to this place called Squam Lake. We went to um uh, this lake house for, I think it was just the weekend. I didn't even want to go, guys. I just wanted to stay home. I graduated high school finally. I didn't want to talk to anyone or do anything other than just chill. It was like it was my time. But my mother wanted to go and be with the family, so we went. And I brought my uh, I brought my book. I had a friend of mine, Morgan. She took pictures of me uh, for my senior photos. And so... There were a few books made, and one of them went to Papa and Jarji. So, I, my mother asked me to write something in there, and uh, I said, sure. And he never got rid of the book. He still had the book. And he couldn't tell me how he felt about what I said, but I was, I was informed by my grandmother how, uh, how he was affected by it. I wrote, you know, thanks for... Teaching me how to be a man, how to do things correctly, how to treat people, um, and for being really a father-like figure when I I didn't have a good relationship with my father at that point. You know, it was it was starting to get better, but it just wasn't what it is now. So to have Papa there to sort of help me and guide me through a little bit. You know, he wasn't the number one influence that I had, but the influence that he did give me, I'll always hold on to that. Always. Uh, 
I'm going to miss our conversations on the phone. We always got off the phone, you know, laughing or, uh, you know, I'd say I love you. And he was just not from that generation. So he would get real quiet and be like, I I love you too. (laughs) And uh, even on our last phone call, he forced himself to say it. So it, it was... It was always cool that he took the time to chat with me, you know, and he always wanted me to come over just like I used to, and and I did eventually go over a few more times, and they'd bring me to the airport or whatever, and uh, I'm just glad that I got to spend some time with him. You know, my mother, she never gets to have that time with her mother again, you know, until until she sees her again, it's life in this system can be cut short. So the people that you have around you cherish that. And I'm not saying like you need to think about death every day. Or it's it's like a you know on a day to day basis or all the time. But every once in a while, just take a look at your friends, take a look at your family, and be like, you know, I'm happy. And I'm proud to be in their life. I'm proud that they're in my life. I'm proud that we we built something today. You know, it's like I got a phone call from my best friend, Ross, today. And that's what I was thinking about. You know, he always has been like my brother. And uh, that's that's how I treat people who were family to me and that's how Papa treated everybody he would hold the door for every single person not just women he would hold the door for every single person that walked in somewhere he was just that type of gentleman he was a gentleman he didn't speak ill will of people and if he did it was like not anything long or extravagant like you know sometimes I go on rants and I shouldn't (laughs) He just, he had it padded to a level of, I need to be better than most people who can't be better. Like, you have to be better for the bad side of the world. And so, like I said, it's it's been a couple of weeks, a week and a half, whatever you want to call it. I'm still thinking about him. And I probably... It'll probably still come up in something every day. And, uh, you know, you know, right now, like I said, I got a sadness in my heart, but I'll get through that. And if you're down, you understand what I'm saying. So I appreciate you guys always coming on to listen. If you're still listening, it means a lot. Um, and I hope that uh, I hope that this helps somebody. If if somebody's needing help, don't ever be ashamed to reach out and talk to somebody ever. Because people can make fun of you all the time. <laughs> yeah, he's a nerd. He's a this. He's a that. You know what? Screw those people. If you have a question and if you need to talk about something, then talk. If we don't talk to each other, we're not 
using one of our greatest powers, the power of conversation and the power of uh, empathy and sympathy. It's it's uh, it's really sad when we have to resort to always looking on our phones or feeling bad about ourselves or not talking to people. It's something that needs to be done. And Papa was the catalyst for that. It's like I always, I could go to him and ask him anything that I wanted in the end. If I called him up and said something, I wrote him letters, you know, stuff like that has been forgotten about in 2021. So, you know, I'm glad that I was able to have that time. He was a good man. He was a good father. He was an amazing grandfather. I wish him peace. I wish the family peace. And I got... uh, I got thousands of these stories, guys. I could talk for hours, but... I know you don't want to listen to me for another 30... 30 hours or whatever it is. So, I hope everyone's doing well. You know, when life shifts, adapt. Don't get stuck. You know, be willing to, to make changes. I'm guilty of it. Ask anyone who knows me, they'll tell you. I'm honest about things. But sometimes I'm too honest, and sometimes we need to change our character. I need to change it all the time. Not change who you are inside, but, you know, try to make not only yourself happy, but the people around you who care about you happy as well. If you are, if you're anything like that. You know, Papa was a man who had a lot of, uh, a lot of tragedy in his life. You know, his family was cut short at a time where it shouldn't have been. But, you know, 2021, he was still here and kicking. And that just goes to show that the strength that you have in your heart is stronger than the strength that's in your mind. So always keep that strong. I love you guys. Thanks for always listening. Thanks for coming on the show. I have uh, I have a private show that I'm playing soon. My new song, Brain Damage, is coming out next week. So look out for that. I am very psyched. And hopefully we can uh, we have more things coming. This project that I'm doing with Cal Fody is going to be phenomenal. The music that I'm writing for this thing is... Oh, man. It's definitely unlike anything that I've ever done before. So... I hope everyone's cool. Like I said, thank you for always coming on and listening. This has been a Why You Laughing podcast, and we are clear.